Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. Your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code ICTPOD, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code ICTPOD at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes for details. Here's a quick word about our sponsor, Audible. Audible is the best provider of your favorite books in audio form, so you can listen on the train, on the plane, or in the car on the way home from work. There are thousands of titles available to download. Right now, I'm listening to One Game at a Time by Hunter Ryan Singh. To start your 30-day free trial, visit audibletrial.com slash icecold. That's audibletrial.com slash icecold. And now, it's time for the episode. You're as cold as ice. You win. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes Podcast. I'm your host, Joey DiMaglio, and today I'm joined once again by the one and only Drew Way to discuss this crazy series between the Rangers and Penguins. Well, Drew, I uh, I don't know what to say about this. Like, I am stunned. I cannot believe the Rangers have clawed back and have made it to Game 7 after being down 3-1 in the series. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, it's certainly been a strange series and not, it hasn't gone the way I expected it to. Like, I'm not surprised that it's going to game sevens just because I feel like the Rangers have always gone to game sevens, especially back in the days of Hank and stuff. And this is a very similar team to those Hank teams, whereas like maybe we still have, we have a little bit more high end skill, but we're still very goalie dependent and stuff like that, like those teams. And it's just weird how, how we've been just, awful for like a period or two and then would look great for a period so up and down and Igor hasn't looked the same since uh you know he got had that collision with Carter I think it was right Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean he had something like a 950 save percentage in the first two games and you know that collision was the very end of the second game and then since then he's been you know mediocre at best um so yeah it's been a very strange series and uh just happy that we're getting to a game seven after how we looked after game four I was ready after I saw game four, I was ready to give up. Like that was just the worst effort I have ever seen like this year for the Rangers. Uh, I was like, no, they're done. There's no way. Crosby's too good. Gensel is killing us right now. That, that entire line is, was just destroying us. And then as soon as the Penguins went up to nothing, I was like, that's curtains. That's it. That's the year. But fortunately the Rangers came back and then again, they go down to nothing in game six and I had messaged you before game six had happened, and we were kind of like discussing, all right, so what's going to happen with this episode? Is this going to be a happy episode, or is this going to be a sad episode? I was ready to talk about the draft, how we need a captain next year, which we still do, and, uh, oh, God, Natalina's is going to kill me, but how we should undoubtedly keep Andrew Kopp over Ryan Strom. <laughs> um, but the Rangers have clawed back. They won games five and six. 
And the game script for both of those games was the exact same. They go down to nothing. Um, eventually, in the second period, they scratch out three unanswered goals before the Penguins come back with a quick one of their own. Second period ends 3-3, and the Rangers get a late game winner. Uh, Hedo in game five, and miraculously, Chris Kreider in game six. I still don't know how Deming let that one get by him, but uh, like you said, the Rangers are the... The Rangers are a 40-minute hockey team, and to me, they're the best 40-minute hockey team I've ever set, I've ever seen. And I'd say a good 65 out of 82 regular season games have been that, 40-minute efforts. So not ideal, but somehow, some way, they're able to pull out these victories from their asses, and I don't get it. I don't understand how they're able to do it. Yeah, uh, actually, it's funny you say like the best 40-minute hockey team you've seen and I actually would push back on that just because the Maple Leafs this year are like the same exact way where they often for just forget to play one period and yet are this you know rattled off you know a whole bunch of wins this series you know this season and now we're going to game seven with Tampa so it's funny like the two of them I believe you know that game six in that series which is fun as hell it was again Tampa went up 2-0 and then the Maple Leafs clawed back and Tampa ended up winning it in overtime and that series but I can't believe, I think we have what five game sevens in the first There's round three in the Eastern conference. I know that for sure. Yeah. And I know Edmonton LA is going to game seven, Dallas, mm-hmm. Calgary is going to game seven, so Colorado five. swept Nashville. And then who Minnesota the beat St. Louis. Oh yeah. Or, yeah uh, that not was... St. St. Louis beat Minnesota. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's five game sevens. That's crazy. Wow. Opening round. Yeah. I mean, not, if you're a hockey fan in general, none of your teams are in the, if your team isn't in the playoffs and what more can you ask for? Right? Like this is good for, for you. But as a fan watching this, like game one was painful to watch going three overtimes. But if I was just a casual fan watching it, I would be like, oh, this is great. I love this. This is awesome. More hockey. And meanwhile, we're over here just like our heart is racing. We can't relax and enjoy. And then when Malkin scored that winner in game one, it was just oh, terrible feeling. Yeah, fortunately, I fell asleep after after the first overtime and so i didn't have to deal with trying to figure out how am i going to fall asleep you're, after watching that whole thing you're better off i had to because i days when i have to go into my office like i, I wake up at 5 30 in the morning and so uh when after that first overtime i was like oh i'm gonna stay up and watch it and all of a sudden i, I woke up probably around 3 a.m and the tv was still on and kind of just turned it off rolled over and then i uh, when i woke up for good i kind of checked my phone up oh, fuck <laughs> <laughs> No, it's like you're hoping, all right, if I turn my phone on, am I going to see game winner, New York Rangers? And then, no, it's Pittsburgh Penguins. Damn it, I hate that feeling, yeah. When I, uh, I used, that used to happen to me all the time when I would, when I would fall asleep. Like, if like the Mets or the Rangers were playing an, a West Coast game and I couldn't stay up or whatever, if I was just too tired, I'd try and, like, you know, hope that we pull through or whatever. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Uh, but yeah, triple overtime games, not fun at all. Rangers somehow clawed their way back in this series. And I think Ryan Lindgren has something to do with it. We have talked before during the regular season about how maybe maybe we could upgrade at the defensive position. Maybe Jacob Chikorin would be an upgrade. But I mean, Ryan Lindgren has just been has just been like has proven to the Rangers to be such an important player. Even when, even being broken, like half his body is broken at this point. It has to be. Uh, he keeps himself on the ice. He draws the penalty 
in game six that leads to Zibanejad's goal five seconds into the power play. And that just changed the whole game around. I mean, what do you see from Lindgren that stood out to you? I'll be honest. I don't think Lindgren's been that great. I mean, he was awful game one. He was defensively. Yeah, no, I'll agree with you that he's not been good. Like Lindgren absolutely made a difference coming back and he's played well of late for sure. But I think it's just as much an indictment of how awful the replacements for him are as much as it is how good he's been. Like he's been fine, but the big issue is when he was out, our alternatives were terrible. And so it's just, just having him back just kind of stabilizes the whole lineup. And I think sort of that, you know, aggregation of like the sum of the parts when he's in is really the biggest thing more uh you know more than him in particular doing anything you know super well and again like i love Lane he's a warrior fun to watch um but it's I, I think it's more of an indictment of just there's when he's out like our options just tank the you know the rest of the pairs i'd rather have i'd rather have like all all of Lindgren's bones broken in his body and him still skating, then Patrick Nemeth skating, yeah. being in the penalty box basically the entire game. Yep. And then, I mean, I don't know what the hell Truba's been doing this series. Like, I like Truba. Um, seems like one of the few genuinely good people in the NHL, right? Um, easy to root for, hard hitter. Uh, I don't understand where he ever got this reputation that he's a defensive defenseman from. That was never the case. He's always been an offensive guy who, you know, in Winnipeg. He throws the he, body. I think that's why. I think well, that's what it is. Look, yeah, People think, people see the big ass hits that he has on like yeah. Bill Call, McKinnon, Crosby. Oh, he's a dirty player. Oh, shut, shut the hell up. Well, like, no, honestly, but it, what, you, what you said there is the truth. It's, it's you know, you get these dummies who, don't you know who will yell at you to watch the game, but don't know what the hell they're watching themselves. Who just because he hits, they assume that means he's defensive defenseman. No, he's an offensive defenseman. His analytics and his metrics, his entire career have shown that he's more of an offensive guy than a defensive guy. And he does I'll better agree. when he's paired with someone who can take care of some of the more defense assignments and allow him to kind of freelance a bit in the offensive zone, use his shot in the offensive zone, play in transition, stuff like that. Um, but he's been terrible this season, this playoffs. It, it, and he's one of those guys where like once the season ends, I'm like, if he's not on that list of dudes getting surgery on something, then what the hell? Yeah. I will say like that cut he made in game five was one of the best things I've seen him pull off is in a Rangers uniform. Great mm-hmm. move. Cuts cuts to the outside, uses that little bit of space on the boards, yep. and then cuts back to the inside. Beautiful move. Yeah, no, that it was, was great. Awesome. And then and then last game, I mean, I, I don't tend to like to play the blame game, but you could argue that he was as responsible anyone for all three of the goals against oh yeah and that, <laughs> that Pittsburgh goal terrible pass why oh would you God. even think of doing that that's and that a... first and that first goal he's just like oh yeah you can just camp out in front of the net it's right. cool you, you do your thing like what are you doing man yeah. and again I like him I'm not someone that's like constantly wants is looking to shit on Truba like I love him as a player and I'm just uh-huh. watching this like I'm trying to find ways to defend you and I'm just I can't right now I wouldn't say he pinches up more in the offensive zone than Fox but he's got to be like like after Fox, he's got to be the one that's pinched up more than yeah. any other Rangers. Well, and, and again, it's because he's got good offensive instincts. Like he's yeah, an offensive defenseman. Like yeah. it's, but, but I mean, to let's talk about that. I don't think anyone wants to sit here and listen to us talk negatives when the Rangers are just one two in a row and going into game seven. Mm-hmm. So to spin on the positive, like big positive from last night is our top line finally showed up. It uh-huh. was the first game of the series and it can't, couldn't have come at a bigger time. 
I was calling I was calling out Zavanajad. I was saying you cannot see Zavanajad or Kreider on a topographical oh, yeah. map of like Texas. I, I like, made the joke on Twitter cool. the other day that shot where he it got tipped and hit him in the collarbone, and I was like, oh yeah, that was his best shot of the series. And then of course I had a bunch of boneheads replying like it was tipped. I'm like, yeah, I, I fucking know. Like I, I watched, but that, that's mm-hmm. something for another mm-hmm. day. But like that's the again, like I'm not usually the one that's sitting here tweeting out like. I, I try to be more positive on Twitter just because there's enough people I think that are just constantly negative. And so yeah. like that says something if I'm even like, come on, like what is going on here? Yeah, no, I, I, I get that hundred percent. And you know, Kreider and Zabanajad did exactly what we needed them to do. They scored all of our goals mm-hmm. basically in, in that, in uh, game six. Now we need, I think Panarin's got to step up in game seven. He's been a little quiet. Like I need something, I need something more from him. I would say this. I, I think he's been pretty good this series. He, looks, he just he hasn't looks been good. Yeah, but, but the, I need. I mean, last game he, he he was a ghost last game, but overall, like he's probably been our best player over the course of the full series. It's just you know you need Panarin to be excellent. You can't. You know, it's hard the way this team is built so top heavy with the cap and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like you need your top guys that you're paying eight million plus to to be your best players, and when they're just okay instead of excellent that really cripples you right right yeah yeah uh i wanted to go back to to talking about some more positives i think keandre miller is about to take the neo leap off the building in the matrix <laughs> yeah I mean, he's he's looked good i mean i'll be honest like i i i don't think i think fans should simmer their expectations a little bit on what keandre could ultimately be yeah, um ceiling. yeah i mean because he's he's so athletic and he's a explosive skater but like he doesn't have and and people look at the fact that well he used to be a forward so therefore he must be like supremely gifted offensively and like he's got some nice hands obviously but he's not he's not that guy like he's not the defenseman that's going to be putting up 60 plus points a game so um but he can still be an incredibly useful player that i I view him as like a really good second line guy who can like lock down your second pair and really you know bring a lot of um, that that needed like reliability to your middle pair or he can be like a lingering where it's like in a vacuum are you a top pair guy maybe not but on the right pairing it could be a great top pair yeah you do you still think that fox and miller should be should, should be i'd them? like to, i just would like to give it a shot was always yeah. my thing like it's we know fox and lingering worked and then we got to a point in the season where there was nothing to gain or lose really from the rest of the games like we weren't catching i mean i guess we, we made it close with carolina when carolina tailed off but for a while there it was like you know you're probably locked into your position here why don't you at least try giving other things a shot just right. to see what could or couldn't work um and my thing with the fox keandre was more i wanted lingering with truba because again what i was saying before where i feel truba really takes off when he has a really good defensive guy with him mm-hmm. and then yeah put keandre with fox and just to see what can happen there because fox is such i mean i think like everyone every ranger fan knows how incredible he is and stuff but i think what somehow still gets downplayed is he, he's legitimately in the argument for the smartest player in the entire league and just because of the way he thinks the game and stuff like that he'll make anyone you put with him better and sometimes it takes a couple games for him to maybe get used to their style. But once he learns it, like, you know, watch out. Um, mm-hmm. So it was more just I was curious to see if it could work because I'm big on just like, hey, like, just 
get some questions answered. Like if, if, if you try them for a few games and they suck, well, at least you answered the question, could this be a possibility? And you know, not to do it anymore. So I just, and because at the point of the season, like didn't, if we lost, it wasn't a big deal. Like I was like, Hey, might as well try some things out. You know, I wanted them to put Kako back on that second line too, but you know, he's that, you know, kids line is, looked really good and yeah it's you know, it's, there's really a lot of positives like awesome. you, you want to talk positive that kid line like they they carried the team through they were the only bright spot after you know through four games really and even in game five they were the spark plug there um they've looked really good like Kako even though like Kako hasn't scored a whole bunch like he just looks confident and that's the thing with that line you just want them to look confident because they have all the skill in the world uh and you want them to look confident and play their game as opposed to feeling like they need to play the system game or something like that. Um, this guy, Jack Hahn, who's like a professional hockey coach, he's coached all over the place and he does a lot of like great coaching breakdowns um, on Twitter. And I'm subscribed to his Substack, and he had this whole thing about how like the issue with Lafreniere and issue like in quotes is like, you know, he's, he's fine. He's playing like a second, third line player because he's, he's clearly trying to play within the confines of the system. Whereas like, that's not what great players do. Great players make the game their own and take over and he's, he's still just playing cautiously trying to quote do the right thing and that's why you know perhaps more than any other reason he hasn't been like the you know performing like what you would hope when he was drafted at one overall um but yeah i was talking to nick nick zararis about like about that and he was kind of saying like keandre miller was kind of doing the same thing like they're mm-hmm. kind of holding him back like he they want him to you know do the play play towards the system. I I kind of I kind of agree with that. Like that, you know, he's trying to be a little bit more cautious, play more cautiously. But now you're starting to see them play a little bit more risky. I think Kako's confidence is just blown up incredibly yeah. in this series. Like I think to the end of game five, when he held the puck in their zone, like that entire line held it, killed off a good 30, 45 seconds. And that's sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Like that's when you know Kako is playing his game. That mm-hmm. possession style game, that is him. And when he's doing that, you know he's right, like mentally. And I don't mean to say that like he's ever like in a bad place mentally or something, but you know he's feeling himself when he's playing that style game. That's what he was known for in Liga before he was drafted. Mm-hmm. And he he's so and, and you know, obviously he's got a good shot. And um his shots looked a lot better after his wrist surgery, by the way. Um, I actually yeah. spoke to someone. Um, who probably shouldn't be telling me this because they worked at the hospital where the Rangers go to, but he was saying that it was, you know, back when Kako first went out, he told me like Kako was in here. He's got a, uh, what is it, like a tendon injury in his wrist. They're like, they're going to try to rest it, but like he needs surgery. And then he ended up going and getting cert- that surgery. And that's why he didn't look right for so, for so long, because it's, you know, if you're someone who has a pretty good shot, like Kako does, you know, he's no, Ovechkin or, or Matthews with the shot, but he, he has a very good shot. And when you have a wrist tendon injury, like you, you're not going to be the same. And, mm-hmm. and he's looked way better since having the surgery. And I know the Rangers have never confirmed it or whatever, but I've been told on by multiple people that no, 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 he had wrist surgery. And that's why it took so long to come back. They tried right. letting it heal on its own. And that's why when there was like, at first it was like four-ish weeks. And then after four weeks, like, oh, it's going to be a while longer. It's because that's around when he had surgery. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. 
<laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gotcha. Yeah, and they kept it too. What did they say? They called it a lower body injury. No, I think they called it, we're just calling it upper body injury or whatever. Oh, but like, body And then injury. obviously it ended up coming out that it was clearly wrist because a bunch of people saw him uh, out in uh, some sort of brace on his wrist or something like that. And at least what I was told, it was like a tendon or like a sheath injury in his wrist. Gotcha. Yeah, and I think that in time... Enti- he, I like how he cuts to the, like, he tries to find the shooting lane. He did mm-hmm. that in the last game. Like, he doesn't just shoot it willy-nilly just from the outside. Like, he'll try and find, he'll hold the puck. He'll wait two, three seconds, cut to the inside, and make that move before he fires the wrister. I like that mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. And then another thing that I've noticed is that kid line is very good positionally. Like, there's mm-hmm. always an option along the boards, down low, uh, behind the net, within the trapezoid, or, or uh, outside the trapezoid. I like that. I like that there's, they're always looking to keep going offensively. They don't want to just, you know, uh, peel off and play conservatively. That um, and they're a good skill set mix. And I think this yes. is what goes under reported or like doesn't get spoken about enough, especially on like places like Twitter, where it's just like us idiot fans kind of just, you know, shooting the shit. But it's um, a lot of times what makes line is like, no, you, you don't need to just, okay, the three best players equals the top lines. Like, no, you need to have like a, the proper skill mix. And with Lafreniere, Kako and Hedl, you have uh Hedl and Lafreniere can both, all three of them can play make enough. All three of them are pretty smart players, but you know, Lafreniere really is kind of can do it all. Um, and it can, has that, you know, dynamic, you know, puck handling stuff to him. Kako has the possession game and is more of a shooter and Hedl is the playmaker first and having that at the center while having two wings, one who can do both and one who is more of a shooter, especially a net front presence type. Like that's just a good, uh, you know, mix of skills. And that's why Kako worked with, Panarin and Strom, you know, God knows no one needs Strom shooting. Um, so you had, you know, Strom and Panarin to create and Panarin obviously has a wicked shot on top of being a playmaker. And then Kako was the net front. And that's why Kako didn't really work on the top line at all because him and Kreider were fairly redundant because both of them play that possession style, keep the puck and then like being in front of the net. And they, it was just redundant to have Kako on the line with Kreider. And then Zibanejad also a shooter. So there was no real playmaker on that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like I like how it's spread out now. And some people are saying like, oh, maybe we go with the second line of, of Lafreniere, Hito, Kako now. Like, no, 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 Like, keep it that way. That's good. I like how Gallant is using them too. Like, he's giving them offensive zone face-offs. Yeah. That you, you didn't see that a lot in the regular season. We didn't see Lafreniere or Kako get like a start in the offensive zone. It was always like an like on-the-fly kind of change. Like, yeah. I think to their power play, they never got their chances. They never got face-offs. It was always just the last 15 seconds of the power play. Yep. And, you know, I I like Gallant, and Gallant's a great players coach. You can tell, like, this team loves playing for him. But I will admit, he, Sullivan's fed him his lunch a bit this series in terms of the ability. It's like any time our top line was on there, he threw Crosby out there. And Crosby was eating Mika's lunch for four games. Mm-hmm. And, like, like, when you look, it, it was, I mean – I know Crosby's obviously one of the best players ever and stuff, but like, yeah, what, what he was doing at that top, their top line was doing to our top line was ridiculous. And Sullivan real quick on their end recognized like at first he was getting them out against Reeves. And that's why like Reeves would have like two minutes of ice time and look like awful the whole time. Cause it's yeah. like, they kept getting Crosby out there against him. But then he quickly realized like, wait, I can have him out. Like if you put him out there against Savannah Jets line, he was crushing them too. And so now you're wearing them down defensively, like the, our top line. And so now they can't do shit offensively because they're tired from chasing Crosby around the whole time in the defensive zone. And it was, 
you know, quite impressive what Sullivan was able to do there, even when they were on the road, which, you know, you're, you're not supposed to, with the last change, be able to line match that well on the road. Mm-hmm. Sullivan still kind of put on a clinic compared to Gallant in terms of the line matching and what he was doing there. And Gallant hasn't adapted well, I would say, throughout no, the series. I, I thought he did some nice different things last game to your, you know, to this discussion. Again, we want to keep it a bit positive, but yeah, like, I mean, if you're talking like who's been better where, like, and again, I love Gallant and Mm -hmm. um, I think he's done wonders for the culture of this team and getting them playing together and loving each other. But um, you know, who's never known as a tactician and um, he's, Definitely not been the best tactical coach in this series. He, that's he for sure. He strikes me as a meat and potatoes kind of guy. Well, it's earlier this season. Truba jokingly said he's uh, Ted Lasso. And it's, yeah, it's exactly who he is. He's Ted Lasso. The, everyone loves him. You love playing for him. You play for hard for him. But like, he's not going to be sitting there coming up with all these <laughs> plays or, you know, he's not going to be like tactically sound. I gotcha. Yeah. So in terms of game score, average game score, mm-hmm. I wanted to give you my guesses for, for each team. I, I would say for the Rangers, the best player, it's got to be one of the kids like Lafreniere, Hedl, or Kako. How far off am I? So, so I'll, I'll, let me start by saying this. Like we have a really, so if we're talking just a playoff, we have a really small sample size here and yeah. we've had two games where we've gotten annihilated and those two, and when I mean annihilate, like just to give, I'll back up a second, just for those who aren't familiar. Game score is a weighted model that takes a bunch of standard stats that everyone, for the most part, knows and loves, assigns importance weightings to each, and then you add it all up, and that's your game score. So scoring a goal is the most heavily weighted thing. It's like it's like 0.7 or something like that in terms of the amount of game score points you get for scoring a goal. And then you have like primary, secondary assists, scoring chances, goals for and against when you're on the ice, individual scoring chances you generate, hits, drawing penalties, take a taking penalties, all that stuff goes into game score, just all weighted differently. Um, so obviously average game score is what do you do each game, like on average. And, um, you know, because we're only talking six games, a couple bad games will really skew the stats. And game uh, one, I get it. We could have won if the call went our way and all that. We got killed in terms of the analytics. They they, yeah. almost, they put up 70-something shots against us. That they second over, period might have was the worst period they've yeah, ever played. They had eight over eight expected goals, which is unbelievable. Oh. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> how, this is how bad that poor guy. We gave up, what, three goals that game? Usually four. when, like, yeah, four, yeah. Usually um, the goalie game score is simple. It's just expected goals minus the amount of goals you actually gave up. Uh-huh. And the fact that Igor was still like second or third on the team in game score despite giving up four goals like that's unheard of that's just shows how even though he gave up four goals he still stood on his freaking head mm. and so that that game is really brings down a lot of these people's stats uh here um but that said to answer your question um technically number one on the team is tyler mott but that's because <laughs> he, he's only played the one game and it was the one game we did pretty well analytically he speaking. Play, he, he was yeah, awesome. No, he was great. He was great. Oh, my God. Um, I love him so much. And one other piece of context I want to give is, so um, in terms of game score, uh, about 0.2 is about average. So, like, earlier this year, I, I, like, looked at all the skaters in the league and, like, the middle skater, so, like, the median of all of it was 0.2. So, think of that as average. Anything over, like, 0.6, 0.7, it's like you had a pretty good game. Anything over like 1.1, 1.2, it's like you were good. If you get over two, it's like you had a great game. Over like three, you stellar elite game, stuff like mm-hmm. that. The best 
score on the whole season was like 9.6 or something. One of the Florida guys did that. One of the games, they put up like 10 goals. Of course. Um, yeah. And then on the reverse side, again, if you're under zero, it was a pretty bad game. If you're under like negative 0.5, you had an awful game. And then under like one negative 1.5 and you were just atrocious. How many the games Nemeth had of that? Yeah, yeah, that's his entire thing. But so I'm looking at like the Rangers list now and it's, Again, because we got caved in a couple games um, and because it's short sample size, Mika is two because yesterday he was almost a five game score. He was one of our worst players across the series. Mm -hmm. He had negative 0.7 going into last night's game, but then he almost put up a five game score. So that's why it's like it's hard to have this conversation like, hey, let's just look at these average game scores and who's been the best. Because when you're talking six games, one game can skew it so bad. Um, that's a very long way of finally getting to your question. The kids have been really good until last night's game where the kid line wasn't that great compared to the top line. Mm -hmm. They were were the best players until last night's game. Panarin was the best player with a uh, 0.4, which is, that's like a, a decent game score. So the fact that that was your best player shows how outplayed they'd been up to that point. And then the next three were Kako, Lafreniere, Hedl. And, Uh... And those four were the only four on the entire team in the positives. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. So the Rangers were have been getting their lunch served to them for and most I, of this series. And honestly, that's not far from what actually what I see with and, my eyes. Like I don't follow like I'll look at your game. So like I look for that tweet, like, okay, here's the Rangers, here's the top three games yeah, for yeah. the Rangers. I'll look for that. But like I'm not looking for that during the game. I'm like, I, I notice what player is standing out to me and basically every game it was the kids line that was just like yeah these guys were our best players mm-hmm. these guys were our best players you can't see Vitrano. you can't see uh uh freaking Kreider. you can't see zavanajad mm-hmm. panarin panarin's game one to me was like ugh, that was that was a yucky game for me in terms yeah. of like what i expect from panarin uh, yeah. andre miller and Braden schneider have to me they've they've looked good i don't know what their game score says yeah. So, so Miller's game score is the worst of everyone on the team. Is it um, actually? Wow. And it's, it's what hurts him is that whole pairing of him and True have been poor. Uh, and they have a couple of decent games, but so it, especially on defense, like the pairs, you're usually pretty close. It's actually a crazy outlier how crazy, much better Fox was than Lindgren for most of the year. Um, just because, you know, Fox puts up all the points. And, you know, while game score takes into account all of these things, points is still the most heavily weighted. And so obviously there. Um, so like with Miller, it's like he, he, he hasn't been scoring a lot of points himself. And then that pairing of him and Truba have given up so many goals. Like they, they were on the ice for all three goals last game. And um, on like the site I use, it's uh, the site's called Hockey Stat Cards, by the way. And it gives you like these full breakdowns and it gives you like pretty much the full breakdown of of like the formula and how like what adds up to it and like right now like miller he's when he's on the ice the team has 4.83 expected goals for so in essence a, a better way to put that for people who aren't into stats understand when miller's on the ice they should have scored about 4.83 goals um when <laughs> compared to series uh yes okay compared to when he's on the ice they should have let up just shy nine nine so, nine yeah so it's like they're negative five in terms of like the amount of goals that should have been scored against them versus that you know and is then that called expected goal differential yeah yeah exactly okay expected. and then when you look at the actual goals for and goals against it's a little bit closer actually but um it's just been but the last game too like really killed him um again they were on the ice for all three goals against and when you're not also putting up points or stuff like that, that'll really hurt your score. So I, I would say again, with the small samples, I think Miller's largely played well, 
but because of a couple really bad games from that pair, his, his stats are going to look way worse than I think he's actually played. Mm-hmm. Now, and this is kind of, sorry, I was just going to one last thing. And I think this is the kind of discussion I think is important when you're talking about analytics. Like I'm a huge proponent of analytics, but you need to have these like contextual conversations too, because it's not the end all be all. And there are sometimes different factors at play, whether it's small sample sizes, or there's like one or two outlier things that happen that are really impacting like the numbers you're seeing. And so that's why it's, I can understand why people get so annoyed with some folks, in the analytics community that'll just post a chart and be like, well, this chart says this. And therefore that's the truth. It's like, oh, come on. I know who you're referring to. And I'll, um, I'll take there's a, a moment few to people. call. I'll, I'll call I'll call him now if I if I have to I will I'll do it like because I started I was never a big analytics guy I mean I watched the movie Moneyball I love it love that movie and I could see where analytics origin story has come from and I never took the time to try and understand what they meant like I'm I'm reading this XGF per sixty I'm like what the frick is this what yeah. is this what am I looking at and then. I saw your your glossary, your lexicon mm-hmm. thing. I didn't even read all of it, but just reading some of it, like just seeing the zone start percentages, seeing like how a coach will utilize a player kind of gave me an understanding of like, oh, yeah. I see how this player is utilized, like contributes to what they're doing on the ice. Uh, so if a guy's more offensively talented, they're going to get more offensive zone starts mm-hmm. versus like if a guy's more defensive oriented, they're going to get more of the defensive zone starts. So basically I learned all of this and, you know, I'm starting to approve or accept analytics for what they are. And I know that, I know that the, what's it called? The, the, that it's not the end all be all and that the eye test has something to do with it. Eye test will tell you Julian Gauthier is the worst player on the Rangers. Like he's gonna, he cannot finish a breakaway to save his life. But I did see many charts throughout this season that said that his individual expected goals for is like one of the best on the team. And I'm like, wait a minute, that actually... Yeah, it's because all his shots are coming from right in front of the net. Right in front of the net. Like, he always gets those damn breakaway chances where he puts his shoulder down, goes around the defenseman, and cuts to the net. Now, you know... Poor man's Michael Grabner. Yeah. You know know that he's not going to score, but to me, that's why I have hope. I, I still have a little bit of faith in Goche, like whenever we throw him out there, because he's able to generate those chances. Yeah. Now, again, he can never finish them. But I always, I've always had like faith in, in that kind of guy, and that's why I think, that's why I think like a guy like Lafreniere who doesn't have a lot of power play success doesn't mean that he's a bust. Yeah, yeah Jay Fresh. I mean, like, watch the freaking game, honestly. Like, just because a player is never that Rangers power play is so successful because they have like four of the best, like, four of some of the best players in the league all on the same unit. Fox and Panarin. Are you kidding me? Those yeah, plus, are like and, Kreider's, and then Kreider's the best net front presence in the league. Like, yeah, and Zibanejad's no pushover either. I mean, yeah. when he's on, that guy is on seventy something mm-hmm. points this year. Crazy. So why in the world would Gallant take them off of the uh, off the off the ice? Give him Strom's bumper roll. Strom has no. <laughs> there's oh, no this Strom doesn't belong on that top line. That's the change I would make. Exactly. Go- yeah, that's basically the weak link of the power play yeah. is Strom, right? So. But- Going back to some of what you were saying before, too, with like the analytics and like, and again, it, it just one of the other reasons why it's an important tool is like your eyes lie to you. Everyone's does like people love being like, oh, like watch the game. It's like the eye test is remarkably 
fraught with confirmation bias. We're all fans watching. And I mean, just go look at how bitching about penalties. You see what you want to see. Every uh-huh. Ranger fan thinks that the refs are against them. And every Penguins fan thinks the refs are against them. Truth is the refs have been bad against both teams. And, but you know, that's, <laughs> but it's just a good representation of how, you know, your eye test a lot oftentimes tells you what you want to see often. And that's why Dan Girardi was another perfect example where people who liked Girardi would point to every positive like block shot or defensive play he would make and be like, see, <laughs> watch the game. He's good. But then people who didn't like him would point to every time he got turnstiled or something like that. Be like, yeah. see, watch the game. He's bad. And they're both watching the same game. It's just it, that's just that thing with the eye test. You see, it's it just fraught with confirmation bias. And that you in amongst like professional scouts, like a lot of times people are like, oh, well, this professional scout picked him, so he knows more. It's like scouts have their own biases too. Some like everyone ha- has certain styles of game that they like, and that will influence, you know, who they'll advocate for, trading for, drafting for, something like that. It's just, and but you know, and I say all this not to be like the eye test is useless. Obviously, it's really important. It's just the two go hand in hand. Analytics kind of help, you know, data is, I mean, you can manipulate data to be biased, but just you know, pure data is unbiased. It's just numbers. It's just information. And so you pair that with what you're seeing to get the full picture of kind of what's going on. Yeah, no, I understand that completely. And I mean, I think that's like the best argument you could say for why, how you need to use analytics, not like why it's, it's important, but like, Mm -hmm. like how you need to view it. You can't just look at one thing. And what Gallant even said, I know at one point Gallant had a quote where he was like, um, the way all, a lot of times the way the range, so the Rangers have their own internal analytics staff. Um, they track, they have their own models. They do all their own manual tracking, stuff like that. And Glant made a comment at one point, like um, if the analytics are telling them like something that is surprising to them, their response isn't to be like, our watch the game. That's clearly wrong. The response is to go back to the tape and kind of, you know, maybe we're missing something here. If this data is saying this, it's gotta be for a reason. And they go back, rewatch the tape and see, you know, where's this coming from? And then they often find things that they missed the first time around, which is a good way to kind of use that. Um, and, and the last piece I wanted to say about analytics real quick, and I know we got to get going soon is just uh, one thing to keep in mind is public and private data is really, really different. So like public data is all reliant on NHL shot location data. There's someone at every arena who, plots where each shot came from and that shot location data feeds into all these expected goals uh um models they'll do like where's the shot come from what kind of shot it was and things like that but it's just someone at the ring putting that in and that's where all the public data is coming from private data like valleys clear site analytics they have their own staff tracking all this themselves and then their models can account for a lot more so like expected goal models can't account for pre-shot movement um, so it, it expected goals count, you know, counts for what kind of shot it was, where the shot came from on the ice, what the game state was, what, like the angle of the shot, but it can't account for, was it the shot resulting from a cross ice pass was, you know, is the goalie moving when the shot happened? Uh, Whereas like clear sight analytics have people manually tracking this and does account for all that. So it's a lot more accurate, I would say like the private data. That's nuts how they're able to to calculate that yeah one day when i get valiquette on this podcast i'm gonna ask him about that you never unless you're not getting him on until he stops working for msg because msg has <laughs> a very strict policy against yeah, that yeah no trust I, me I, I got in touch with like their their pr guy and yeah. uh it was That's, tough it's tough. that was smart to go through their pr guy at least but yeah he's i mean i've i've spoken to him myself a handful of times and he's like listen i'd like to do some of this stuff but it's sorry I like my job more than risking it 
Yeah, yeah, and I've heard some stories about how oh, it's, it's like they're very strict about that. Very few things pissed off the Rangers internally more than when Tony and Ryan Strom went on Blue Shirts Breakaway during the pandemic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they I got had in so much I trouble for that. You know, I had Tony on way back when, all the way back in episode twelve, mm-hmm. and that was nuts. How we like I I to me like I had no idea like he was on Blue Shirts Breakaway or whatever mm-hmm. like. At that point, I was very new to all this stuff. So, like, the fact that we got him on was just insane to us. And now seeing how hard it is to get, like, players on or even mm-hmm. guys from their department, like, the the network, it's just – it's insane. Like, I'm, like – I'm, like, going back to, like, Kiriakos. Like, how the hell did we do this? How did we swing Tony D'Angelo on here? I don't know. Some people are just willing to pay the fine, I guess. I don't know. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's – just you won't get Rangers players or Ranger staff on. Yeah, and, no, I, I've moved on to that. I'm going with yeah. NHL network analysts or whatever. I'll yeah, exactly. With, I'll go with Rick. The athletic, the athletic guys are good with going on stuff. I say guys, the athletic people are really good with coming on stuff like that too. So it's mm-hmm. um, one, one uh, last thing for, 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 uh, for you that I wanted to ask, do you have any superstitions? <laughs> It's funny you ask that because like I'm a very analytically driven like um, one of the like the the main things like if, if my wife like my wife and I very rarely ever argue but if we do get an argument it's often because I try to rationalize everything right she'll she'll I'll do something and, and you know she'll respond to it and I'll feel perhaps that it wasn't like ra- and so I'll try to rationalize it with her which obviously is only going to piss her off more and piss anyone off more because I'm being a dick by trying to you know rationalize someone's emotions you shouldn't do that uh, <laughs> um and so it's like my brain says like superstitions are idiotic why the hell would anyone have these superstitions this uh-huh. and that but I'd also be lying if I told you that I didn't wear the same shirt yesterday that I wore Wednesday oh I, like yeah so it's you know one side of me is like no so you know you're a dummy if you have these superstitions it's so irrational and all this but yet i wore Lafre- my lafreniere uh t-shirt on wednesday and so i set it aside after they won and i wore it again yesterday so speaking out of both sides of my mouth there <laughs> and i'll i'll uh i'll add to this and say i'm a very superstitious person mm-hmm. and like my uncle before he passed away he was a very huge Rangers fan, also very superstitious. I remember back in 2014, Game Seven against the Penguins. He, we called each other after the rain, after the game was over. He called me, and he was like, "Joe, I did not move at all, not yeah. once from the couch. I stayed in the same spot the entire game." <laughs> and to me, like. I do the craziest thing. So, like, yesterday, I grabbed a lollipop for some reason. It had to be a blue lollipop because the Rangers are blue, right? So, I finished the lollipop, and that's when they start playing super well, right? So, I didn't want to do anything differently. So, I just started chewing on this this empty lollipop yeah. stick, and Zibanejad scores twice, and then Kreider scores on the rebound at, off of Shesterkin's beautiful feed uh, to breakaway pass to, to, to Zibanejad. So I'm just sitting here chewing on this disgusting lollipop stick, looking like an idiot. And oh my gosh, like, and now like I get people saying like, now you got to save the stick. Now you got to nah, save the stick. Yeah. <laughs> get out nah, of here. No, 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 no. We're going to do one. Yeah, exactly. And, and like I said, like, I, I don't have any, like, this is a superstition I do all the time, but there are times where I do catch myself doing stuff like that. With me, I'm more just like a creature of habit. Like I get in like my room 
routine to then get kind of thrown off if my routine is broken. And like, for example, like I'm the king of if normally like, you know, you know, Monday through Friday, like if I'm driving my son to school, it's like, okay, at this time I'm leaving my development, taking a left and go that way. And if it's like Monday through Friday and like we have, he's not going to school, I have off, I'll like instinctually take a left out of development and think, oh crap, I was supposed to go right here just because it's like, I'm such like a creature habit that way. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally understand that. And then again, one last thing. Yep. What needs to happen for the Rangers to win game seven? I say (laughs) last game of the season, Drew can't hold anything back. Okay, what is that? A Ricky Bob? Oh no, that's a Waterboy, right? That's Waterboy. Yeah, yeah, Waterboy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean they need to play the whole game. Play, show up in the first period. If you show up in the first period, and um, if Igor is Igor, you know, again, I, I think he's got a mild back injury. You can kind of tell by he, how he's constantly stretching and stuff uh-huh, like that. Yeah. That does seem like his back's bothering him. Especially, I like Kevin Woodley from Ingold Magazine's my favorite goalie analyst, and he had this phenomenal break down about what makes Igor so special is the way how he's able to move laterally while he's down on the ice and still straight up and it's something that really only he does and like kids are now emulating it and it's like goalie camps and stuff he's not doing that the same he was and it's Mm -hmm. like if you have a little even just like a minor like back strain that's going to impact that and I think that's what we're seeing he's not moving laterally like that the way he was prior to getting hit and so it's like I don't know what you like I've had back problems before like they did good luck with with the back issue so it's you know hopefully you know maybe shoot them up with some of that uh, crap the nfl shoots their players up just so they don't feel pain pain or something before a game have Igor right and play a full 60 in the win i think um you know even if crosby's back like you know we beat the pens a bunch of times in the regular season um with crosby there i do think I think both teams are close and anyone that thought like, Oh, getting the penguins means we're definitely winning. But I do think if Igor can play like prime Igor and we can play a full game, we'll win. All right. Yeah. Wise words. I couldn't agree more, man, but Drew, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate you doing this with me. Let's go Rangers. Let's get a game seven win and let's move on to the second round. Let's do it. Let's go Rangers. And on the bright side, if we don't win, you can have me on and we can start talking about the draft. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll, (laughs) uh, I'll might take you up on that, but go Rangers and enjoy the game, everyone. All right. And a special thanks to Drew way for coming on. Once again, we got some ads to read out before we close out this episode. First up body check wellness. Go to Body Check Wellness, that's B-O-D-Y-C-H-E-K, wellness.com, and use promo code OCS in all caps for all your CBD needs. Norse Beards, head on over to norsebeards.com and enter promo code OCS, lowercase, for your top-of-the-line beardsman needs. Go to Old City Sports, that's O-L-D-E, citysports.com, for all your favorite OCS podcasts and articles. Finally, Luguru. Visit Luguru, L-O-O-G-A-R-O-O dot C-O for your custom sports attire. Get a quote from Colin Mulvey and tell him Old City Sports Network sent you and he'll hook you up. All right, guys. Rangers got a big game seven coming up. Let's go, Rangers. And let's win this series and move on to the second round. Let's do it. Hey, Rangers fans. Thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay.